0: This is episode 135 with Gavin McHale. Welcome to The Athletic Mindset. I'm your host, Corey Camp, former Division I swimmer, forever athlete, and your personal flow coach, helping you optimize your life one conversation at a time today we're going to be joined by a fellow forever athlete a podcast host of the coaches playground podcast soon to be author founder of maverick coaching academy and all around just great human being gavin McHale. gavin much like myself followed the rules growing up playing hockey and Going through to get his degree in kinesiology or exercise science, as we like to call it down here in the States, but after some time of going that more traditional route, he realized that he just kept trading his time for money, albeit in different avenues. This sent him on a journey to find a better way and eventually found Maverick Coaching Academy to help other personal trainers build their hybrid businesses so they could do the same. Today highlights a lot of that journey for Gavin, how he went from playing pro hockey to where he is today, the ups and downs in between, and how he's been able to find himself beyond what he does for a living. Gavin and I have a book coming out together here in the next few months, so keep an eye out for that, Forever Athlete, how to tap into your true identity daily, and we dissect what does athlete identity mean to us today, and how we can find that true sense of self, so let's dive into it here with Gavin. I am joined by CAPS great Gavin McHale today. (laughs) We'll get into that story. Gavin, man, first and foremost, thanks for coming on. Appreciate the time. It's it's always good to connect with you. I'm excited to actually record a conversation on my platform and share it with the people because I know it's gonna be a powerful one, but how are you feeling?
1: yeah it's tough to get away as a caps legend um but you know i'm really happy to be here uh people will understand soon what we're talking about (laughs) yeah we um after recording on my podcast and then a couple of just you know unrecorded unfortunately unrecorded conversations i'm so pumped uh i was really looking forward to this one in the schedule so thanks for having me man
0: yeah man of course it's um it's a pleasure to have you in on this side of things obviously um I'm excited. I'm just excited to dive into it. Let's start with the cap story. Let's keep give the people sure. what they want. Um, I, when we first connected, for context, if you're not watching the video here, Gavin's got a caps jersey hanging behind him. And when we found each other on social media, I was like, this is so cool. This guy Like I'm a, I'm a Caps fan. I'm a huge Caps fan. Like how have I never heard of this guy before? So I'll let you take it away from there.
1: (laughs) And there's a very good reason why you've never heard of this guy before. Okay. So for anyone who doesn't know, doesn't follow hockey. The NHL implemented a rule three, four years ago, which I would assume post pandemic is probably gone by the wayside, but essentially the rule was each team has two goalies and What it This had happened maybe once or twice, but they didn't want it to happen again, where if both goalies got hurt, there was no other option other than to either put like a coach in that for the rest of the game or to put a player in goalie gear for the rest of the game or have your like injured goalie come back out, which is never ideal. So what they decided to do for the very off chance that um, this happened was they made a rule that there would be an emergency backup goalie in, in the arena at all times for every NHL game that emergency backup could play for both teams. Uh, They could not have ever played pro because there were some issues around the salary cap. Um, They couldn't, couldn't have ever gotten paid to play hockey because then they would become a pro tryout contract, Mm -hmm. which they'd have to pay for amateur tryout. You don't have to pay for. And so I was lucky enough in my hometown of Winnipeg home of the jets go Jets, um, to be chosen as one of, I think there was about six of us. So essentially we got to pick our games and we got, it was cool. You got to go up in the press box. Uh, I got to bring a, a friend or a family member and have the press dinner and watch the game. And you just had to have your gear pretty much in your car on the ramp, uh, ready to go. Uh, pretty wild. And, um, so this was a, just a particular Wednesday in November of 2018. And I had, I was ready to go. I was actually coaching. I coach a women's hockey team and uh, I was coaching and I was going to go straight to the rink to, to the rink from there. I was going to pick up my mom on the way. She was my guest that night, All was well. And um, get off the ice and we're like in the coach's room after. And I just pull out my phone and I got like a bunch of missed calls and texts from this random number. Uh, and, uh, you know, I see a voicemail and a missed call. And then I see a text and it says, Hey, Gav, this is, I can't, oh man, I can't even remember his name. I've got him on LinkedIn. Essentially it was so-and-so the goalie coach for the capitals. And that's all I could see. And I'm like, Oh my God. And I click the click the thing. And I see the rest. like, we're, it looks like we're going to need you tonight. Please call me back as soon as possible. And then, so I run out of the room. I call him back and he's like, how fast can you get here, man? Is this, this is like five, 30 and the game's at seven <laughs> and I'm at one end of the city and the arena's at the other end. So I'm like, okay, see ya. So luckily my girlfriend at the time is now my wife. She was actually on the university campus. She had a coaching thing going on. So I got to see her and tell her, which was amazing. And then I'm ripping to go get my mom and I'm calling her and I'm like, mom, I'm not going to be picking you up. I'm just going to be saying, hi, we're going to figure out what we're going to do. And then I'm leaving. Cause I'm, I got to go play. And so it's this ridiculous thing. So me and her figured out how she was going to get my dad because in the meantime and this is a shout out to the Jets organization, the Jets said, hey, they called me, uh, just a PR person and said, "Look, you're dressing. Do you want to get your both your parents? Let's get them to come down. They can come watch you uh from the press box." So, we got to get a hold of my dad. He's, you know, he's doesn't have a cell phone. You know how dads are. It's like a, it's a shit show getting a hold of him. And um we finally figured out. So I'm like calling my mom, calling my dad while I'm on the way, I'm trying to weave through, you know, game night traffic. I don't know if anyone knows about like near arenas, the traffic's crazy. And I'm like, Holy sh-. And then it like, and then I had this moment that I'm sure any athlete listening to this would, would, would feel, you know, I'm going crazy. There's so much going on. And I have this moment. I'm maybe like five minutes from the rink. I'm like, I could play in an NHL game tonight. Like and I get, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it right now. It's like it was like this this moment of just like pure silence and just pure like clarity of like I got a job to do, mm. like I I got I got a legitimate job to do. And so then it was like I got a hold of my dad. I was like super excited to tell him it was amazing. And then it was like as soon as I parked that truck on the ramp and I grabbed my gear, it was like okay, like. You're no longer just like a kid in a candy store. Like you do have a job to do here. And they, you know, this is, this is you know millions of dollars at stake. And if you have to go in, you have to be ready. So walk through the door with my old, like junior team's bag on my back. Right. And right. I walk right into where the jets, my opponent for the night are playing kick around soccer. And they're all like, what the, f-? who is this guy? Like, what is this random guy? And I turned the corner to go to the visitor's room and there's Alex Ovechkin and, uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov standing there, uh, hands out. Hey, I'm Alex. Uh, Yeah, thanks man. I know. (laughs) Uh, and so they guide me over and, uh, met, met the goalie coach and everything. And then it was like a complete whirlwind, get into the locker room, um, full physical from the NHL to make sure I'm good to go. Um, the, all the players are coming in and introducing themselves. Uh, there's a buddy that I had used to train, uh, Madison Bowie. He was on the team. He's like, "Gav, Oh my God, this is amazing. You know? And I'm like, again, I'm kind of trying to get ready for this thing. You know, we got, uh, I don't know if anyone knows Tom Wilson, who's like the bad boy. He was just coming back <laughs> off like a four game suspension for like punching someone in the face. And so classic and, and yeah, and I'm trying to get ready. And like, it, it was just wild. They're, they're giving me, you know, I walk in. There's a jersey hanging there with my name on it. There's a nameplate. There's a hat ready to go, a ball cap for just sitting on the bench. I'm like, this is surreal. They're like, hey, what do you need? What kind of equipment? You know, you need to sharpen your skates. What kind of undergear do you need? Like all this stuff. And, um, and then, before I knew it, we're walking out on the ice, and it's just like we're in the my home rink where I've you know been a fan for years. And it's like, as soon as you step on that ice and you look up, it's like a totally, and I had been in big rinks before with lots of fans, but it was like, this is, this is like my hometown rink. Like, this is nuts, you know, and the music's going. And like, I knew that people had started to figure out what was going on. So I wasn't. I didn't check my phone or anything, but I, I knew that like, it was starting to like news was starting to spread. And and I'm from Winnipeg. It's not a very big, it's like the world's biggest small town. (laughs) So I knew things were happening. And a lot of my friends are season ticket holders and it was like tons of people right behind the net taking pictures and all this stuff. But um, anyway, I I don't know how far you wanted me to go, but I just love telling that story.
0: I love every bit of that story. (laughs) Was it weird being on the opposing team in your hometown like stadium and yeah.
1: obviously I'm a
0: fan of the Jets, you know, was that like how yeah. do you press pause on that for a second and just like taking that moment?
1: Yeah, I'm i I'm a relatively casual fan, having okay. having played, you know, having played and having been um you know, the, the possibility to play on any team. I was traded a lot during my career, which isn't a good sign, but you get kind of get used to just throwing a jersey on, you know. Okay. And, but I will say it was definitely odd. Um, And the one thing that helped, and I'd love to, again, shout out the Capitals. They did not have to do this. They could have put me in another room and just been like, Hey man, like just, you know, keep your distance. And if you end up playing, we're screwed anyway. So (laughs) they put me right in the locker room. They're the defending cup champs at the time. Every guy, I think every guy to a man said hi to me, including the coach, including the video coach, everybody, Mm -hmm. therapists, everybody here's, you know, here's the drinks, here's some snacks here. What do you need here? You know, every single person made me feel like I was a part of that team. So by the time I went out on the ice, like if you'd asked me, I would have said, I play for the Washington Capitals, man. You know, and that's the coolest. Like, I I think, you know, you want to know what separates the best teams. That's it. They made yeah. any, anybody, even the Joe Schmo, that's basically it's a joke that he's even on the team right now. They made me feel like a like a part of the team.
0: I think that's incredible, man. Um, and give yourself a little bit more credit. Like, you obviously <laughs> deserve to be there. Um,
1: <laughs> well, you didn't see the warm-up with uh, Ovechkin just having his way with me. But, you know, greatest goal scorer of all time. I was about positive. to
0: say, you know, yeah. you got to take that with a grain of salt, right? Yeah. Like, that's most – Probably people's dreams slash nightmares. OBC, <laughs> so, as yeah. A
1: yeah. Exactly.
0: Man, I I just absolutely love that. What um, so how did you end up where you're at now, coaching in the fitness space from experiences like that? Um, because I'm always interested, obviously, dissecting the transition piece. Yeah. You can dive into that all day, but how did how did that transition start for you? And how'd you end up here?
1: Uh, it's interesting. You know, my, my, what I've, I've done a lot of work lately and that's, I think where you and I connect a lot is I've done mm-hmm. a lot of uh, personal work and and self-awareness and all that kind of stuff. And I realized that hockey for me, especially goaltending was something that um, it wasn't as much about the hockey as it was about what hockey gave me. Hockey, let me fit in uh, hockey. Let me, I was a weird tall scrawny dude hockey uh girls definitely liked hockey players so that helped um <laughs> hockey helped me you know be one of the cool kids and it, and it f- essentially I had 20 forced friends right mm. and so I think when hockey like it was kind of one of those things like when hockey when I was winding down and I knew that it was coming to an end through a series of, of many different things and myself not being ready at all for higher level hockey Um, and for failure, I wasn't ready for that at all. Um, I think I needed to find the next thing that I was already good at where, you know, I really liked being the big fish in the small pond. Like it's actually opposite to a lot of athletes where they're like, I wanted to get to the next level. I, when I got to the next level and I struggled, I was like, I'm out, get me, get me out of here. I want to go back to the, the fun stuff. You know, so what happened was I was really good in school. I was a really smart kid. So I, and when you play in the Western hockey league, I had played for two years and then I had really good grades. Um, I got all my schooling paid for through uh, Canadian university. So you play in the Western hockey league, you get a year of schooling paid for, for every year you play. And um, so I just went headfirst into school and I fell in love, of course, with the body, with biomechanics, with, Mm -hmm. with you know, anatomy, physiology. Um, and then not to mention the fact that when you're in the gym, it's basically a locker room, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's like you're hanging out with your friends and you're shooting the shit and you can make fun of people, you can have fun and, and everyone's, you know, fighting the same fight. So I think that really led me to the fitness space. Um, but it turns out now that I look back, that was kind of a means to an end because that, mm. I never was really a fitness guy. I, I I was the last guy in the gym when I played, um, I did it because I needed to. Um, but again, it wasn't about the fitness at the time. It was about the fact that this gave me meaning. It gave me purpose and I could help people, which was awesome too. I had a bunch of great clients and then I realized, you know, um, I wanted to help more coaches who like, I was a nerd. I was a great, in my opinion, a great coach, but I didn't know how to market myself. So I had to do a whole whack of coaching and work on that. And then I realized this is not just a me problem. This is an industry problem. So I've finally now really made a shift that was to do with my purpose and not to do with just fitting in or just, you know, having friends or anything like that, or just having girls like me, you know?
0: It's funny when you stop focusing on those things, they tend to happen. You know what I mean? I found my
1: wife, all these amazing things. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, who would have thought? Um, yeah. I think uh, naturally that's what drew me to fitness too. Um, I had that same natural uh, drawing towards studying exercise science, kinesiology, also with a concentration of biomechanics, yeah. I thought it was pretty cool because I was going through that at the same time that I was still swimming. It was neat to me to like learn something in the classroom and then be able to like play around with it at practice. You know, it became like that practical application. Did you kind of have a similar experience with that too?
1: I feel like that 100% like exponentially sped up my learning. Mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm like, I was like in class with people who were yeah like they were active or whatever, but they weren't like doing it every day. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, like I would be, I still remember like thinking like, you know, certain positions in goaltending. Cause I was, I was, I was playing university hockey for two of the years. And then I played senior men's hockey, which in Canada is like a glorified beer league, but they pay you for it. So that's awesome. <laughs> um, and, uh, so I was doing it. And I remember being in like this position, being like, yeah, my hips intern, my left hips internally rotated and like, you know, and like all these different things. And like, Oh, I wonder if I could just like tweak that and make it feel a little better and, you know, fix this positioning. And it just, yeah. And then, then, you know, the inherent training that comes along with it, you know, you're in the gym, you're like asking your strength coach, a bunch of questions like, Hey, well, why, why are we doing this in the middle of the season instead of this and all these things. And yeah. It's just like, it gave me that, um, that playground to really just start
0: messing around. Yeah. It's so fun to be able to just experiment with that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. which brings me to this interesting point you brought up around failure when you got towards the, the later stages of your career. Cause I hear, I hear on one side, it's like, Oh, you have this exploratory, like I have a playground and I can express myself freely and get feedback and awesome. And that's my viewpoint towards failure, but it sounds like that wasn't your viewpoint at the time towards failure. How did you shift or what was that experience like? And now, because of that experience, how do you view it?
1: Yeah, I think it's, I think the context is key there, right? And, and I'm glad that I was able to kind of like share that, like, is like hockey for me was driven by my ego, hockey was driven by, fear of a whole bunch of things, right? It wasn't driven by pure, unadulterated pursuit of, you know, the next level. Mm -hmm. And so I viewed it as the most fixed mindset thing ever is like, here's me on the stage. This is what I can do. Love me, validate me, be my friend. Right. And so when you look at it that way, why the hell would I want to do something that's going to challenge me? Mm-hmm. keep me in the lower level, make me the king of the league. And I will just have the best time ever. Right. And unfortunately when, as I got into running my own business and, and this was a huge thing that showed up again was my coach was like, Hey man, like you should, you know, you're changing people's lives. You should be selling for a higher price point. You know, I want you to get on calls and sell at at, I don't know. I think it was like two or three K I was like, okay, I'll do that. Cause at the time I was charging like basic personal training prices. Right. Mm -hmm. I had two calls. I got two no's, and I was like, peace out. I'm never doing this shit again. I don't want any of that. Right. And it took some time and it took some coaching and it also took a lot of just like work within myself to be like, that's the whole point, man. You know? And, and I think when you are going for pursuit of something, you know, for pursuit of something greater than yourself, you know, rather than those self-inflicted needs, Mm -hmm. right? I want to help more people. Well, then you got to know that the path to more yeses and the path to helping more people is going to go through no, you know, no is not the opposite of yes. No is actually the path to yes, because you learn You can learn along the way from your failure. So I think it shifted when I changed my perspective from, I want to get something out of this to, I want to serve others. I want to help other people. That's when it really shifted for me.
0: I love that shift for you. Um, (laughs) thank you. that's That's a powerful one. It's, I had a conversation earlier today around, um, intention. And I think, especially when it comes to sales. I think we talked about this on your show. Of mm-hmm. People pick up on that intention very quickly. Uh, and sometimes it can be subconsciously. So, Not like you're popping on these sales calls being like, oh, I'm going to sell you on this thing. And yeah, they're no. feeling that. But if the whole you know, intention going into the call is I'm gaining a new client versus you're going to miss what they're actually telling you and what their actual problems are and how you can actually serve them and help them. Mm-hmm. So going in with the right intention leaves open this door for so much more. And to your point, like, yeah, no is doesn't mean that no forever. It's just a it's that's true back for right now. You know what I mean? And then yeah. who knows? I think that's one of the coolest things in the coaching space is when one of those first people, when you first started doing this, they were like, yeah, no, no way. And then now, once you had a few years under your belt, they're like. Oh shoot. I wish I, I wish I said yes to Gab. <laughs> now I see what he's doing, you know?
1: And the best part is to speak to that point is I can serve them better now. Yeah. I've, 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 I've screwed up, you know, i made the mistakes like, like we're talking about, I've failed and grown. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I think that the whole sales thing and the whole thing, you know, in when it comes to intention, this can relate to anything in anybody's life, whether it's like a job interview or whether it's, um, even relationships, any of those things. I love how you speak about intention. I've been realizing the importance of intention with every single thing that I do. Right. And what I've really learned around sales in particular, again, take this for anything is high intention, low attachment. So Mm. I have an incredibly high attention intention for that person and for how I want to serve that person in that moment. Again, whether it's a sales call, whether it's a coaching call, whatever, but I'm not attached to the outcome because I know that there's only so much that I can do. And the more that I try and take control and the more that I try and force them, like you said, people can smell commission breath from a mile away and across the phone, right? They know when it's just about the sale. Nobody wants to be sold that way, and nobody wants to sell that way. The only reason people ever sell that way is because they're forced to because either they're selling a product they don't believe in or they're in scarcity mindset and they're worried that they're not going to make the money. right? One of my clients said it perfectly when we were talking about uh, any type of sales or any type of um, just helping someone move forward is, it shouldn't be about what can I take from you? It should be what can I give you? right? How can I serve you? And when that's the case, when I show up with a giving hand, when I show up ready to serve, then the chips will fall where they may. And again, as you said, when you stop focusing on the outcome, when you stop focusing on what you want out of it, the scoreboard takes care of itself.
0: I was about to say, yeah, I uh, I always say output over outcome. Um, Love that. And it really, it boils down to that that intention or that mindset heading into it. The scarcity mindset especially is one that's going to lend itself to a little bit more of what we're not looking for of, oh man, I'm coming, I'm coming from a place of my back's against the wall and like this has to work or it doesn't. What would you say that advice would be to someone out there who is feeling the heat a little bit? They're feeling like their back is against the wall and they're like, oh shoot, like did I make the right move? how can they still surrender that trust of like, all right, it's going to take care of itself. Like I hear what Gavin and Corey are saying. I know I need to serve, but I need to make some money. I need to do like something right now. What would your advice be to that person?
1: Yeah. It's all well and good, but you got money in the bank. I don't. Yes. I get it. (laughs) Um, and I think this comes back to, uh, to gratitude. Um, and this can really come down to, um, the, the true abundance mindset. So, okay, I'm going to get pretty philosophical here. So a friend of mine was talking recently about there actually is no scarcity. It's just a lack of abundance. Just like there is no darkness. It's just a lack of light. Okay. Mm. We've just came up with a word to explain what it is, but really it is simply a lack of abundance, what is abundance abundance is not, not caring, right? Like, it's not like you, it's not like you're just like, Oh, I don't care if you enroll. This doesn't matter. Right. That's why we talk about high intention, but it is not being attached to an outcome. Now, anybody who I, I know you got a lot of athletes listening to this. And I know, I know when athletes leave their sport, their backs are sometimes against the wall. mm mm-hmm or, you know, if you're in sales or if you've been negatively affected from the pandemic, your back is against the wall. There's a couple of things here. First of all, how can you be grateful for what you already have and acknowledge all the skills that you do have or all the things that you do have? So gratitude, um, that allows us to, to just be grateful for the fact that like there's a roof over our head and there's food on our plate and all those amazing things. Um, And then, like I said, you know, being aware and acknowledging that you have all of these skills that can get you there. Now, maybe you've never made a sale before, right? But you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend that is sales. I mean, you're just selling like all of your amazing virtues, right? If you've ever had a date that was successful, you can sell. Right. If you've ever um, helped someone see your point of view, you can sell. Right. So the point of it is, how can you acknowledge the skills that are already within you that you can be resourceful and take advantage of? Okay. Mm-hmm. This allows us to be in a place of abundance and to come from a place of abundance and go, I've got these, th- I've got, I've got this. I can handle this. Um, another thing that I've been recently really, working on is um, intention minus control equals success. And to add to that intention minus control, as you said, plus output or plus action equals success. So what are the actions that have shown you in the past that you can have success? Mm
0: -hmm. again,
1: if you've played a sport and, and done well in that sport, you know, what actions are required to have success. Maybe it's not the sports specific ones, but it's consistency. It's, you know, showing up and training the right things and all these, and working on your weaknesses and all these great things that can just move from athlete to business, to relationships, to personal life. So many things is you already have these tools within you, right? And it's the biggest paradox in the world, but as soon as you give up control, of what you want. And as soon as you, you talk about the word surrender so much. And I love that. I don't think we touched on that enough in our, in our conversation, as soon as you surrender control, everything will go as planned. And and I can like, that's the one thing that I can almost guarantee as soon as you surrender control, it will go the way you want.
0: I'll take it a step further and say, as soon as you surrender control or the need for it, you'll actually, it will go better than plan. It's, you'll open up to possibilities that you never saw possible beforehand. You know what I mean? Cause you're now, instead of looking at the the thing like this, super, super close, like now you can take a step back and you get a bit, little bit of a different perspective. And in doing that, it's like, Oh shoot. I didn't even notice that elephant that was like crossing the room. You know what I mean? I yeah. you remember that old psychology uh, case study where they have all these things going and an elephant walks by or gorilla, Whatever, yeah, 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 and you're like, holy crap, yeah, I, I didn't even see that. I was so focused on this other stuff. It's like there's possibilities are endless. I like that viewpoint of it's a lack of abundance versus coming from a place of scarcity. And, and like down with that,
1: I think you've been like, I've been there. Yeah, like guys, for anybody who thinks all oh, this guy, yeah, 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 you're doing great. My wife, like. December 2019, we were in the car. I'll never forget it. She was my fiance at the time, so it was touch and go. And she's like, "Gav, like, are you sure? Like, are you are you doing the right thing here? Like, we're you know we're gonna be tight for the mortgage payment. Like, you know, like I've been there. And it's like, no, nope, I, you know what? And and I appreciated that because it allowed me to like get my thoughts out. It was like, no, like I know I'm going the right way you know i know i'm pursuing something that's worthwhile i know that i'm worth what i'm asking for even though i'm not getting the, the the outcomes right now and i know that i have the best tools that i could possibly have at my disposal because i had i had paid for them and i had worked to learn these things i was consistently working to reiterate my sales tools and my you know lead generation and conversations and all these things it was like I know I have the tools and, you know, you talked about how you're going to get even better than what you asked for. The universe will always deliver in a way you don't expect. Mm -hmm. And the universe is always testing you too. like every other time. So this was a specific moment of, of scarcity and of um, failure, so to speak, depends on how you want to define that word. Every other time I had ever faced that in my life, in hockey, in school, whatever it was, I pieced out. I was like, I'm done. I'm going to go back to what's easier. And I was like, this is the moment. And my fiance, my wife gave me the opportunity. She's like, you could just peace out. You could go back. The universe was giving me the opportunity. Go back to personal training. Go back to the mediocre lifestyle and income that you were making when, you know, and you weren't as happy it was like, no, this is the time that I need to lean into this. This is my first time that I'm going to lean into failure and I'm going to lean into struggle and I'm going to let it teach me
0: something. And then of course popped off. I love that. Um, Cause that was, that was actually going to be my question was like, all right, you shifted into something new and now like you're really experiencing some growing pains. So how did you learn to accept the growing pains and face them and go through them knowing at the other end, obviously is growth versus the old story that you've always had up until that point. Um, hmm. I think there's different- some good,
1: yeah. Like you're asking for maybe some actionable steps yeah, was, to
0: this. Well, I was more interested in like, what was different that go round? Like what in that moment of in the car with your fiance wife at the time was made you finally say, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna face this rather than take that old way out that I, you always had taken.
1: I would say there was two things. Um, I'm just gonna make sure I don't forget them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, number one, uh, I had done a ton of work around Mm self-awareness every other time. Like I said, my ego was driving the bus And I, I was kind of just existing. I didn't really, I wasn't very conscious of my decisions. So it was like the, the, the child or animal brain in me was like, this feel bad. No, do this feel good. You know, it was just like, go do this thing. And you know, when I look back, it was like, what a, you know, it was such a like just primal way of living. There was no, consideration it was just like well that just sucks so I'm just not going to do that anymore Mm -hmm. you know and so the the number one thing was I I was doing work at the time and had been doing it for like a year at that point of just like self-awareness self-growth of like making my unconscious thought patterns and my limiting beliefs, conscious, bringing them to the surface. It was painful, man. Like it was, it was hard. It was um, it just blasted my ego to bits of just like, I'm the only one limiting myself. And there was a whole number of, a whole number of things that came up for me. So I had been doing that work and I was just tipping over the edge at the point where she asked me that. And I, I honestly think if I hadn't, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have made that choice. And then the second piece that was also very valuable to it was my environment. Mm. So even though she was asking me that question in the way she was asking it was from an incredibly supportive and caring place. Like she wanted me to succeed so bad that she was just like, I hate seeing you like this. I want, you know, I want you to do better. And again, she was acting like she didn't really know exactly what was happening and all the work that I was doing um, the way that I did. So I had her incredible support. It wasn't like you need to stop and get a nine to five. It was like, are you sure? Are you doing the right things? You know, and then other parts of my environment, I had great coaches and mentors. Like I I was investing uh, heavily in myself um, and I was asking for feedback. Every sales call that didn't go well, I was sending them and asking them for feedback. I was jumping on regular coaching calls about every little thing and really just busting through uh, my limiting beliefs. And uh, and I I was just constantly surrounding myself with people who were doing the things that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, much like anybody who's been an athlete on the team, I mean, our teammates lift us up when we need them. And there was nothing better that like entrepreneurship and actually just life in general can be very lonely sometimes, yeah. right? We feel like we're the only person struggling with this thing. And then you get into a community atmosphere or a team atmosphere where you realize others are struggling and they're working their way out of it, or they're, you know, a little bit ahead of you or a little bit behind you. And you can start to do that together. That just changes the whole game.
0: I think that's one of the most powerful things in the world, right? Um, talk about shared experiences that are going to elicit a deeper connection you know a lot of the reason why you and I connect at such a deep level I think is even though I've I can't skate to save my life (laughs) we have a general understanding of you know one another through our shared experience of athletics the other thing I thought of too as you were describing going into the work the self-awareness and the self-work it's scary. It's absolutely scary. And this analogy actually popped in my head as you were describing it. This past Saturday, I was out and I took a friend of mine um, trying to teach her how to swim in open water in the ocean. She's signed up for a triathlon in a few months here. And we spent the whole time working through the fear of getting out past the waves. Now, We chose a terrible spot to try to learn this because it also happened to be like the local surf spot. It was her selection, (laughs) not mine. I was like, all right, man, like we'll go for it. And like me having the experience that I have in swimming, it was hard, but it was also relative. It was within my skill set to get past the waves. And I knew, all right, yes, this sucks. I'm going to get rocked by waves for like five minutes. But I know on the other side of it, is this overwhelming eternal like peace. And that's exactly how I feel every time I go into the ocean. It's like crushing wave, crushing wave. And sometimes the waves are way bigger than I would ever hope for. But I know if I just keep moving forward, I'm gonna get past these waves. And on the other side of that is this, I just get overcome with this sense of peace um, and stillness. And I just feel so at home. And I think that is actually a perfect analogy of like facing the work that comes with diving into the limiting beliefs, diving into destroying your ego in certain situations, because it can be rough. And yeah, like, you might try to do the work and you might get absolutely pummeled by a 10 foot wave and thrown around in the the salt water and you got stuff up your nose and you don't even know what's sands everywhere. And you're just like, this feels absolutely terrible. So, I mean, obviously people hear that and they're like, okay, cool. Like I get what's on the other side, but like, I like being on the shore here. Like, I'm just going to watch you do that. Um, So props to you for taking that plunge quite literally and going into the work. What, kind of prompted you to start doing that or taking that first step, putting your toe into the water for the first time.
1: Yeah. Um, there's so much out of that, that I want to, I love the amount <laughs> of swimming analogies that just went into diving into and taking the plunge.
0: It's what I do. <laughs> it's what I do.
1: <laughs> and you know, you can't skate. I, mean, I would sink like a stone. So we're, we're on the same page here. <laughs> um, and yeah, to, to, you know, to your point around, you'll probably get pummeled. Like you will at some point yeah, get pummeled by the waves. Like it's a, it's a non-negotiable, but I would rather get pummeled by the waves now and figure it out. than be 45 married with kids and go, this isn't the life that I wanted. Mm-hmm. What am I doing? That's, that's what happens. That that's literally what a midlife crisis is just a quick FYI. Um, and I also think that the, the, this wave analogy, that's why so many people quit Mm. with with any type of this work is, and we see this a lot in our course. So whether it's um, social media or sales or putting in the work on yourself and self-awareness, you get, it's very exciting and sexy to dive in right? It's, a, you know, Feels you great. jump in off the dock or you you run in off the beach and it's so exciting and exhilarating, right? This is amazing. Right. Then the waves start hitting you and you're, yeah, like you said, your nose is full of snot and like you can't see and, you know, and you don't yet have the evidence that what's past the waves is good. Mm right so people get stuck in what we what i kind of call the gap or the chasm of you are aware of what you're doing wrong and what you need to do different but you are there's no evidence yet that this is the right thing that this is going to get results right it's like why am i why am i asking myself all these questions about my fear and just making myself feel awful when i don't yes. know that this is actually going to make me feel better Right. And there's literally nothing that we can say to anybody who's just starting this journey. That's going to make that go faster or going to like (laughs) make it easier.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: The only thing we can say is like steal belief from people who have done it, that it will get better. Like, that's the only thing that I can say on that front, but I just wanted to touch on that. Like, I think it, and again, we're used to, um, you know, decide to do thing, be really good at it, keep doing it. Right. That's what we've always done. Any time that I decided to do something and wasn't very good, you can bet your ass. I didn't do it much. (laughs) I was gone. Right. I was like, see you later. This sucks. This isn't for me. Now back to your questions, very long winded roundabout way to get to your question around how did, or what kind of spurred me to get started a number of things. Um, I in the, on the business front, I was seeing a lot of people who I felt I was as good as, or better than um, just doing better than me. Mm. Um, Other coaches, other former athletes. Now this is where the athlete mindset helped because I, I had this competitiveness of just like, well, what the hell, like I could write a textbook on this stuff, but it's not working for me. Mm. Right. So I had done two coaching the first time when I decided to really dive into this stuff, I had done two coaching programs. I had spent over $25,000 on, on business coaching. And I could, I could have written a textbook on Instagram, on writing blogs, on your ideal client, all that stuff. Yeah but none of it was working for me. I mean, what, why is it working for them? And it's not, what's going on? So there was that. And then there was also um, just like my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. So the story has a happy ending, uh, was traveling, doing some work contracts. And um, she was kind of going through her own, trying to figure it out. And um, there was tension, there was friction. Um, We were both kind of going through our own journey and I, again, every time that there was tension in my life or friction in the past, it was, well, this is their fault. This is someone else's fault. And for the first time in that moment or in those moments, I had a shift of like, this isn't about me, right? This is about her finding her way. So I detached from it, but I can take responsibility for being my best self. So I detached from something that was out of my control. I couldn't, I couldn't force her to decide to come home. I couldn't force her to want to be with me. Yeah. But what I could do was I could take responsibility for being my best self. And as we know now that allowed her to step in and do the exact same thing for herself, which brought us together ultimately. So I think for me, it was, it was just a, com- a combination of just a, Of really looking at parts of my life and going, these aren't where I want them to be, but I'm just going to take it. I just done just enough work, I guess, to take enough responsibility to decide I'm going to start looking at this. I'm just going to start. And it really was like gratitude. It was like very, very simple stuff, just like gratitude, asking myself questions, like, who am I? What do I believe in? Like, it wasn't the biggest philosophical questions. It was just like little things pulling the thread, you know?
0: And I think that's where people get a little lost and overwhelmed at the beginning, right? Like they, they can see the giant waves. They're like, <laughs> uh, No, not for me, dog. Like, thanks. And it's like, it's really important to know where you're at and start building from there. Um, the other thing that came up there is you were talking about your relationship. Um, I thought of, what was that like in the team sport setting? Um, because hockey is a little bit more team oriented than obviously swimming lends itself to be. Did you notice that kind of growing up, like your, how you showed up as a teammate impacting how you were showing up as a partner in relationships? Cause I'm seeing a lot of parallels of like what you just said of how you need to just kind of accept and again, surrender and trust. And have her be her whole self and kind of have these deeper conversations come together lends itself very well to also, you know, being a good teammate. And I guess now you've just had an extension of how can you be a good life teammate versus just in the locker room? Yeah, we're both athletes, so we'll call it it
1: life teammates. Yeah, she was a soccer player. Um, Yeah, I think. It's funny. Like, I've never really thought of it that way, but the best, the most success I ever had and the best teams that I was ever on, um, everyone just stayed in their lane mm. and, um, you know, the defenseman played defense, the forward scored goals. Uh, I stopped the puck as a goalie, you know, the coach coached. And I realize now, as I'm having an epiphany right now that like, yeah, that's what we all did. We took responsibility for our job and we gave up, we gave up the control and we trusted the the person beside us that they would do their job. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's, what's been really cool for Kelly and I was since that. And since really doing this work, it was like, I'm, I'm going to take responsibility for me and I'm going to make up, make sure I show up as my, as the best that I can. Um, because I know, and I, I fully know and trust that you are going to do the exact same thing. And, um, I think that that's also why any team. So even a swimming team yeah. may not like compete together, so to speak. That's why any team the bonds are so tight mm-hmm. because you have to, like, if you don't, you're done. Like there's no chance.
0: Yeah. Did you guys? I'd be curious from a relationship standpoint. Did you guys lay out those roles and expectation of those roles ahead of time? Similar to, you're gonna, you're playing goalie, so it's this is what's expected to you as a goalie. Like, yeah, we're not counting on you to score goals, so like don't worry about that. But we are, you know, expecting you to live up to these kind of standards. Did that carry over as well? Where there's that communication around where the expectations are in relationship to your role in the relationship?
1: I think we did it in hindsight. Mm. So what we did was, because again, we're both working through similar issues. And I think our yeah. generation is all working through this of, we grew up very just existing, mm-hmm. right? We, we just like, oh, Um, society says, I'm supposed to do this. I'll just go do it. I'm good at this. I'll just go do it. Right. There was no like conscious thought, like, do I want to do this? Do I like this? So I think what happened was this happened and this all went down and um, we came together and, you know, again, each took response. It was, it was crazy. Like I remember the conversation of like, I kind of said my piece and I was like, I know I need to work on this, this and this, and I'm going to do the work. And then, she said her, it was just, it was like a mirror. She's like, I need to work on this. And this. it wasn't like, I need you to do this. and You got to do that. Like neither yeah. of us were saying that. And um, so I guess we did, but in, without being aware of it. And then after, like, as things had gotten so much better and we're like, oh, this is, this is like a true relationship. We could validate and reverse engineer it and be like, oh, like, that's why. You know, because yeah. we defined it for each other.
0: Yeah, And I think that communication piece is integral in any sort of relationship, and it, we can we can mean it in the like romantic sense, like we're talking right now. We can mean it in the team dynamic setting. We can mean it uh, culture in a workplace. But whenever those, I think that's where a lot of our you know tension exists in our lives is because we have a certain expectation of an event that's going to happen and then that event or that person doesn't live up to that expectation and we're sitting there being like yo what the heck like i expected this of you and they're sitting there like well you never told me that so how how would i know um so i think that communication piece is integral i appreciate that this is kind of where that conversation has gone
1: and i also feel like every relationship you have. So like my relationship to you mm-hmm. and my relationship with my wife and my relationship with my mom and my dad, I will never actually be able to fully understand their point of view. It's impossible yeah. for me because I will always have my own lens on what, even what they, even if they tell me to a T and they're fully honest and you say to me, Gavin, this is my point of view on this thing. Mm-hmm. I will always put my own flair on that because I, I have my own experiences and I am not you and you are not me. So the only way that we can even come close is by wildly over communicating. Mm-hmm. Like, like again, and it, you're so right. Any misunderstanding ever is simply a misunderstanding or a miscommunication of expectations,
0: yeah. Always. Yeah, And then it's a matter of like, all right, do we shift expectations or do we have that conversation? Like there's multiple yeah. ways we can go from there. Um, but I like, I like that point too of perspective. And I think that's what makes us all really honestly special human beings. Right. Is yeah. Like we have a lot of shared experiences between the two of us yet. You're going to still see things a little bit differently than I do. And Mm -hmm. I'm a, I think we're both better people because of that, because we're going to, we're going to have these conversations like this, where you're growing in the process and I'm growing in the process. And all of a sudden everyone who's listening in is like, oh shoot. Yeah, me too. I get this. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And you, you, you know, the slight, cause yeah, we do think about a lot of things in the same way you and I, and mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people do with people that are close to, but the slight deviant deviations, right. Allow me to go. Hmm. That's in contrast with what I think. Do I double down on that or do I disagree with that? Both are okay both are just objective feedback, but yeah. the contrast of what you brought, that's slightly different or very different either way is simply feedback for me to go, well, how do I want to deal with that? Or, or do I want to shift my perspective or, or expectation a little bit, or do, do I just want to, do I just want to keep it going and just agree to disagree? Totally fine too.
0: Right? Yeah.
1: Um, but that's, it's, it's unbelievable to me when you kind of have that realization And we can we can get into this a little bit too. That like every single person that you ever meet is actually just a mirror into yourself. Is actually just a reflection of. And I see you're nodding, so I'm glad we're gonna go here. Is actually just a mirror and a reflection of something you can learn about yourself. Now that sounds like the most selfish thing in the world, but hey, like I said, no one else has your point of view or perspective, so that's really the only thing you can do is shift your yourself mm-hmm. to, to change or to, 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 see any change in the world. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sort nothing of? changes if nothing changes. Um, and then I also like this quote has come up multiple times on the show of um, I'm not who you think I am. I, I am who I think you think that I am uh, in that sense. And it's like, what is that? perceived projection of our identity um, being. right And shoot, I mean, I think a lot of the work that you've touched on today, diving into the ego stuff, um, I wouldn't say helps answer that question of who, who we are, but at least shed some light on maybe some deeper layers that those listening in, you know, can choose to go dive down if they would like to. (laughs)
1: Yeah. If, if you so choose yeah, to to take this, to take this and, and one, but one of the most fun parts is when you do, Mm -hmm. especially I've found, um, and again, this is just my experience as a man, but as a man, uh, especially from our generation, we grew up, I grew up with a very, um, Interesting relationship to a lot of men. I was incredibly close to a lot of men. Mm -hmm. Um, Hockey dressing rooms are some of the like tightest knit places in the world. Yet I didn't really know anything really about these guys because we were, I mean, and I think I could say this freely that we grew up in a generation where the worst thing you could be like the worst thing you could be was gay. Mm -hmm. Like it was the scariest thing in the world now, thank the Lord that that has changed. But so you kept it superficial, because you never wanted that to be a concern. Yeah, right. And, and so when the point that I'm making is, when you do this type of work, and you can be grounded in who you are, and what you believe in, and you can share, um, you can share your true feelings, then you and I, even though we've never met in person, we will soon. You and I can have a great relationship, a deep, meaningful relationship deeper than any, with any teammates of mine that I just, that I played with for a full season, but we never really talked. We never really shared our feelings because we hadn't done that. We didn't have the tools. We literally didn't have the tools to do this at the time, right? We were doing the best we could, but we didn't have the tools.
0: Yeah, I was about to say, I think it's an issue of not having the tools. And then also, again, to your point earlier of environment, right? Like that typically that environment didn't lend itself to that wasn't the standard there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And because of that, um, you know, I'm a big advocate that, look, we can we can drop that. And actually, as soon as we drop that need to carry whatever it may be whatever it is that might be a burden, um, something that you might be struggling with and being able to share that with someone around you or honestly being able to share it with a stranger without the worry of any judgment being attached to it. That's like the most freeing and expansive thing feeling in the world, you know what I mean? Like you're able to just finally put down that thing that you've Mm -hmm. been carrying for a while. Um, but it, again, I think having the tools, doing the work that we spoke a lot of, about in depth here today and being in an environment where you're just like, all right, I, I trust this person enough. All right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, or this, I this can share this yeah. exactly. That needs to be in place too.
1: Like, could you, could you imagine if like, even some of the things that we've shared, like maybe with friends or whatever, more recently like do you imagine if you shared some of those things in like the locker room no like you would have yeah. got just shredded like yeah. shred and everyone would have been like what the- what are you talking about Sure, like, like
0: dude shut f- up we f- just let you're yeah. here to swim you're here to you're, pl- you're here to um, <laughs> stand and go like get out of do here
1: you, do your job and shut your mouth right like stop yeah. you know stop and, and yet they preached that we should be cohesive and be friends
0: yeah like,
1: but No, no, not that way. We're not going to go that far. Right. And I think that's, um, you make a really good point though. It's really, and that's one of the things I really work to do. And we are very considerate of in our coaching program is that people feel safe enough to Mm -hmm. share those things may not be with me. It may be with another one of our coaches or maybe one of their peers, um, but to just, yeah, like shed that burden and just let someone else know. And then obviously, as you and I both know, you will learn, you're not the only one carrying that burden. Mm -hmm. You're not the only one struggling that they're struggling with possibly the same thing, or they have struggled with it and they can help you through it, or they can put you in touch with the right person, but sharing it and being, um, you know, it's vulnerable, man. You feel, you feel like, you just want to crawl into a hole and be gone when you share it. But then when they come back and go, I feel you, it's game over. Now, now it's like you've taken a quantum leap forward.
0: Yeah. 100%. I think there's, there's so much strength and vulnerability. It's just being open to, you know, viewing that perspective I think is uh, it is a challenge. It's definitely something that, especially coming from the athlete culture. It is uh, a narrative that I think is changing. Thankfully. Uh, we're Thanks seeing some more and more. Professionals. Yeah. Yeah. And it, look, it's, it's very far from where, you know, it, it needs to be in the sense of, all right, like we don't have to worry about all these mental health issues to the extreme that they are. But I think they've gotten to the extreme that they are because we took it to the other extremes of like, all right, just like, Bottle that thing up. Forget about it. Mm-hmm. Don't talk about it. Just play. Um, so I think we're going to have a shift the other side of the continuum, and then we're going to find some kind of equilibrium in the middle there. Fingers yeah. crossed.
1: <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. I remember to, to that point, it was like, I was always told, especially as a goalie, don't let anyone see your emotion, mm. right? Like nobody in the stands or on the other team can see, what you're feeling, because if they do, that's you're giving away your power. Yeah. Right? Well, what does a 15 year old kid take that to mean? Is never show your emotion because yeah. then you are give you are vulnerable, right? And a lot of the conversation, especially around men's mental health, but I think this this relates to all athletes because women are often you know taught these these same ideals is there's actually more strength and power in sharing in speaking up than in bottling it up. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's the, that's the narrative that has to change for athletes is like it, you should be promoting the speaking up because then we're going to actually get somewhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, obviously one of the goals of the project that we're working on with the book um, and you know, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start Forever Athlete in general was to create spaces, to create a community where we can have these kind of conversations. So I just, one, before we dive into the fast five and wrap things up here, I want to acknowledge you for just the way that you're showing up and also change, being a part of changing that narrative um, in society, in the, in the impact that you're making with people around you, because it's I notice it Uh, And I want to just acknowledge you for it because you're doing some good stuff, Gavin. I appreciate the time here. Want to dive into the fast five here with you. So five, one sentence or one word answers, kind of rapid fire. First one is what is your go-to podcast that you've been jamming out to lately?
1: I got to go with uh, my coach, uh, Joshua Church. It's called Find the Others. Mm. Uh, And
0: it's all, you'd be a great guest. (laughs) there we go I'll check it out now um number two you got the books behind you I I love I love it when I'm interviewing people and they got their whole like bookcase behind them so I can see you're actually a reader here uh what's your favorite book that you've read in the past year I I
1: will say this I can't wait till forever athlete is like right here above (laughs) my shoulder um have
0: a wall of it
1: yeah favorite book I've read so I've reread ego is the enemy by Ryan holiday, which I am probably going to read that every year, but I'm currently, uh, about two thirds of the way through in sapiens, um, wild, wild, like he he's, I originally picked it up and I was a little bored by it, but th- some of the, the things that he says and then backs it up with science is fascinating to me. So sapiens is a, it's a long read, but if you're interested in, in humans,
0: it's a really good read. Awesome. I'll have to check it out. Number three is, what is a quote that you live by?
1: I've recently learned a longer version of this quote, but uh, this too shall pass. Uh, And the actual quote in Yiddish, I believe it is, uh, is this shall pass and this too shall pass. Uh, Meaning the great times will pass Mm. and the bad times will pass, but just know that it's always going to be you know forever fluid
0: yeah which is scary but also refreshing. refreshing um, yeah. number four is what's something that you can't live without My wife <laughs> peeping around the corner <laughs> here's that one. yeah yeah <laughs> um, number five is what is your one word focus at this point in time? Oh.
1: leadership. Um, but not in the, just like standard sense. Mm -hmm. Um, I've realized that my ability to lead and not only to lead others, but to lead other leaders Mm -hmm. is the only thing that is going to raise the ceiling, not only for me, but for my clients. So leadership on its like most, um, like the most ridiculous front of leadership.
0: Mm, I love that. It's a good focus. Um, where can those listening in find more Gavin? Where can they check out the coaching, check out the podcast, everything that you're doing?
1: Um, yeah, they can hear Gavin and Corey camp uh, July 21st on the coaches playground podcast every Wednesday and, um, I've just loved the shift that I've made and just like, it's more of a playground. It's it's Mm -hmm. so much fun. Um, Instagram is where I hang out the most at Gavin McHale one. And I share a lot of my beliefs around a lot of this stuff and the fitness industry in general. Um, and if you want to learn more about like our program, what we do, I mean, first and foremost, send me a message on Instagram, but, um, www.maverickcoachingacademy.ca I'm up in Canada. So it took the the CA moniker. So (laughs) maverickcoachingacademy.ca.
0: I love it, man. We'll have that all linked below. Gavin, again, appreciate you enjoy the rest of the day, man. Appreciate you joining us today. There's so much power in not going through this life alone. Grateful to have teammates like Gavin on this journey that I'm on. And I encourage you to create some life teammates like Gavin in your life. Share this conversation with someone who is close to you and form an accountability pack to continue to grow together because together we can go far. Remember, if you can change your mindset, you can change your life one thought at a time. I'll see you all on Monday as we break down how exactly we can build better relationships in our life, our life teammates becoming the general manager of our life and what that impact does on our overall well-being and health. I'll see you then.